Hey everybody, welcome back to the Active Dads Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Daniel. With me is the other host, not the co-host, John. Much better. <laughs> All right, so today we want to talk about something that it's kind of weird that we haven't talked about this before because I've been on, I think, six other podcasts to where I was the, they brought me on to talk about one topic. No, well, yeah, no, one topic. It's been in different fashions, but I always get invited on um, other podcasts due to my kettlebell work. And we've never actually done a kettlebell podcast on this podcast. So I yeah. thought it'd be interesting to do one. Yeah. So if you've listened to any of the podcasts I've been a guest on, you're going to hear some repeated information. But that's okay because it's about kettlebells. I mean, who doesn't want to learn more about kettlebells, you know? People that don't want to learn more about kettlebells. Well, those people are weird, and I do not associate with those people. Hmm. Hmm. So, anyways, let's get right into it. Barbells or nothing. No, so... Dumbbells. We'll do podcasts on those two. Barbells and dumbbells definitely have their place. And one of my biggest things is I'm a fan of using all of the tools as long as they are actually tools and not little fab products, right? Like, like shake weight? Yeah. Why does everybody else go to shake weight? <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me wrong. It's the perfect example, but every time I talk about that, they're like, shake weight. You ever watch what? The Righteous Gemstones? No. You need to watch that with the shake weight part in it. It's hilarious. Okay. I'll check that out. But yeah, every time I talk about like a fab product, everybody's like, shake weight. Right off the bat. <laughs> or the, no, wrong. It's hilarious. It's very, very true, but it's hilarious. The Abtronic was pretty good. Did you ever see that one? Yeah. I thought it might be a little Dude, old they for still you. sell those. Really? Yeah. Man, I don't know how no, many times still coming out. I hooked that bad boy up. He's just like, ugh, 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 well, ugh. It's a tinge Great. unit. That's it. Yeah. Like this tinge unit I got right here that mm-hmm. I use for recovery, same thing. Oh, it's yeah. just smaller with a smaller um, voltage or not. Yeah, smaller voltage current. It just—I mean—it never gave me abs. It just gave me a weird no, tick. It's not going to. It literally just makes the muscle contract. That's all yeah. it does. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. But yeah, so that's some interesting stuff. So I stay away from that. But other than that, man, I use all the tools. Yeah. You know, I mean, we got slam balls in here. I love suspension straps, TRX mm-hmm. or otherwise, and barbells always going to be king when it comes to strength. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, like power lifters use kettlebells, but their main tool is always going to be the barbell. Yeah. You can put the most weight on there. Well, you sure. can't buy a 400-pound kettlebell. You know? That's true. Even That's... if you made one or had one, it would be so huge, it would just be cumbersome. You couldn't load it up for anything. Oh, you yeah. would have trouble holding on to a goblet squat for that just because of the sheer mass of it. Man, I'd try. Yeah. But, you know, you got a 40-millimeter bar that you can put plates on the outside of. Of course, you got a lot more leverage on the inside. Mm-hmm. But still, like, it's always going to be the king of strength. It yeah. really is. But no, but um, kettlebells are great because they build a very unusual strength that's hard to measure. All right? So you're going to see this strength in real-world application. Right. Now, don't get me wrong. Like, we've got some 106s here. Like, you can get ridiculously strong through deadlifts, kettlebell swings, even presses, if you're man enough to press a 106 bell. Let's just say... I do that weekly. <laughs> but it builds a overall strength. You know what I mean? Maybe it's definitely going to make your other lifts better. Like you're going to get stronger all the way around, but the true strength is going to be, you know, when you put hands on another person in jujitsu grappling, you know, whenever you have to use your core strength because you're outstretched to do something, you know, yeah. whenever you go to carry a couch up the stairs, yeah, that's where that strength's going to come through when other strengths won't. 
Right. <clears throat> so that's the one thing I love about the kettlebell is it fights you throughout the entire set. I mean, it isn't well balanced whatsoever. Those of you who don't know what a kettlebell is, imagine a cannonball with a fat handle on top of it. Yeah. Yeah, and a flat bottom. <clears throat> so, and whenever you use it, like I said, it fights you the entire way, which makes it extremely good for conditioning and grip strength because there's so many unique movements that you can't do with a dumbbell or you can't do with a barbell right. to help increase your cardiovascular conditioning um, or excuse me, your cardiovascular uh, yeah, conditioning. I said it right. <clears throat> or just your overall metabolic conditioning too, you know? And the cool part about the kettlebell is actually in its origins. So nobody really knows. I've seen a lot of different figures come out as to when the kettlebell was invented. Um, it used to be called the, uh, what is it? Difficult bubble, whatever that is in Russian. I can't pronounce it, obviously, because mm. I don't speak Russian. And it's a ton of vowels. But it used to be called the uh, difficult bubble. <clears throat> and, you know, the first time it was really written about was in the 1700s. But they say that it was invented actually in the 1600s. And it wasn't invented as a training tool whatsoever. So basically, you got the kettlebell. And like I said, it's a cannonball with a flat bottom on it and a fat handle on the top of it so what it was originally used for was hanging meat in meat markets mm -hmm. so like you know if you ever watched aladdin think about that you know i mean there's a ton of other movies like prince of persia all that stuff yeah. when they had the outdoor markets they would basically build a structure and then use a kettlebell as a counterweight tie the rope to the kettlebell and then hang whatever they want to over the structure for sale or like uh i guess for advertisement yeah it's a lack of a better word so that's what they were originally made for. Well, pretty soon, you know, you had this big market. You had a huge gathering of people. So what do you have when you have a gathering of people? Beggars always find their way in there, yeah. right? And street performers, you know. Back then, they had their instruments. They had the jesters in there. And then they would have the people who were like the physical guys. You know, like, oh, watch him do handstand push-ups. Oh, watch him walk on a handstand for this side of the... Um, market to the opposite side like all of that stuff and pretty soon people just start grabbing the kettlebells and juggling them so that's where like the juggling aspect of kettlebells comes from mm -hmm. is they would just grab whatever was there you know and just start juggling it or start showing how many times they could press it overhead and all of this stuff so that's when it became like a strongman thing once that became popular in the markets they started putting it into the circuses mm -hmm. and that's why you find like the old training videos especially in russia of you know, the big, strong, burly men with these just massive kettlebells. And they're throwing them around everywhere, and they invite somebody from the audience to come up and try to pick it up, and one person can't, so they invite somebody else to come up just to show how heavy it is. So that's how kettlebells actually became a training tool. Now, they only started becoming like a regular training tool. I say only, but like 1800s, yeah. you know, mid-1800s. And... Honestly, they didn't really make it to America in a big fashion until like the 90s. Yeah. So like mid to late 90s, a lot of people credit Pavel Sitzelin, of course, as the man who brought kettlebells to America. And, you know, as always, there's controversy to that. There's a lot of people who say that people were using them before then. Unfortunately, there's no record saying, hey, this guy <clears throat> started the first kettlebell exercise on this soil. Yeah, I thought you know, it was pirates. Pirates. <laughs> That'd be very cumbersome to carry on a boat. Hey, cannonballs. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, cannonballs are traditionally like, what, 20 pounds? Yeah. 
You know, I mean, they weren't that heavy. Well, they Twenty put a pound kettlebell, and they just much. throw it at you when their cannon broke. I guess could have lobbed it with a rope. Mm. That'd be pretty awesome. It'd do some damage once it landed. That's for oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> if you could find somebody strong enough to sling it across. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so I mean, kettlebells. You know, they have a very strong ties in Russia. And again, <clears throat> excuse me. There's a lot of people that say, you know, they start in other countries before it came to Russia, and Russia is kind of like the ones who adapted it to a training style. Right. What's the truth? Nobody really knows. I've read many articles on it. <clears throat> Nobody has like a hey, they were invented in this place at this time. But you look at, you know, the Turkish get-up is one of the biggest exercises in kettlebell training, especially for, like, the newer class of people and anybody who wants to get that Instagram post to look cool. Then Turkish get-ups are cool. Well, that came from the Turks, so I don't know. (laughs) It just really depends. But the one thing that I love about it is I use it for everybody. You know, I mean, from my athletes to increase performance – in whatever sport they're playing to my rehabilitation clients who need to build up their glutes more. Right. To me, the kettlebell swing is the best exercise on the planet. I mean, nothing can really replace it. You know, you get the strength of deadlifts, but you also get the cardiovascular um, attributes from many other different training styles. As well as building up your hip thrust. Mm-hmm. And who don't want to build up the hip thrust? You exactly. Know? Yeah. <sighs> So I thought it was pretty interesting to talk about this topic today because um, you just went through, what, two rounds of my abbreviated training? Yeah. Yeah. So Started the third one today. Are you going to do it again or are you going to switch off something? Well, we'll talk about that later. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to bring up too much on that podcast. But anyways, I have a six-week training, no, eight-week, excuse eight. me, eight-week training program that um, <clears throat> I call the Kettlebell and Barbell Abbreviated Program. So you've done 16 weeks of dedicated barbell and kettlebell mm-hmm. work. So what do you think about incorporating the kettlebell into your weekly routine? Because with every workout, you're hitting barbell and kettlebell. Yeah. Now, sometimes it switches back and forth. I had some body weight stuff in there too. But what do you think about the differences between like doing the overhead barbell press and doing the double rack press? I mean, it certainly adds uh, – it, it, it adds a different challenge to the workout, you know, um, and it, it also it also engages those like stabilizer muscles and core muscles that sometimes you don't engage when you're using a bar, um, as well as you know, especially like more like last week when it was you know one armed uh, one arm rack presses and one armed rack squats. Yeah, it hits all that left side, right side, all those stabilizer. Mm-hmm. muscles and trying to keep proper proper form because that's one of the things that and that's one of the other things i think that anybody realistically <clears throat> looking to actually get serious about it could gain from it. it's just the fact that it kind of forces you to learn proper form um or or using kettlebells force you to use proper form um so yeah i mean and that's i guess it's not our first time i mean you know we've used kettlebells for a long time here um especially in the past with with a lot of the different Metcon workouts and stuff. So I've always had a pretty, pretty, you know, uh, deep appreciation for kettlebells and the ability to flat out wear you out. Um, I get more out of that than a dumbbell. Like you said, cause you can pretty much do everything with a kettlebell you can do with a dumbbell, but then a lot more, um, you know, like, uh, clean and presses and things like that. It's a lot easier. I wouldn't say a lot easier with a kettlebell, but the, 
the flow and the movements a lot. Yeah, it's a lot more it's dynamic. Lot, yeah, yeah, because you can get that weight shift <clears throat> in right. that clean to where you got a solid catch to set yeah. you up for the yeah. press. I'm yeah. not as worried about dropping, you know, a seventy pound weight on my head um, as I am if I'm trying to sling up a you know weird shaped dumbbell. Yeah. You know? <clears throat> so yeah, I mean, and plus grip strength. I mean, that's <clears throat> something that that's something I always had an issue with, just from like past athletic you know feats and injuries and things like that grips one of those things you know when you land on your elbows and wrists and things repeatedly i think that you know weakens that at least for me but i think the kettlebell works helped a lot yeah and that's one of the first um types of strength that starts going down drastically as you get older mm-hmm. I mean, as soon as you pass up 30, like your grip strength starts diminishing, obviously without training. Yeah. It starts diminishing very quickly. And grips are so important, man. So yeah, many I mean, people avoid grip. Like you can't deadlift a heavy barbell unless you can hold on to the heavy barbell. Right. I don't get me wrong. You can use training aids such as straps and those hook grip things and all mm-hmm. that crap. But what's the point? Yeah. Real world application is no. Mm-hmm. If you got a 400 pound deadlift and a 200 pound grip, well, guess what? Like, you get into a situation out in the real world, mm-hmm. you ain't going to have time to chalk up, throw on your hook grips, get them yeah. strapped down tight, yeah. and then get to work. You well, know? I mean, that's the thing. Like, you know, the majority of my, you know, my comp- my competition as an athlete for, you know, since I was, you know, in high school has been about, I mean, hanging on to something or yeah. somebody, you know. Mm. So grip is there. And it's, it's not a lot different today either. I mean, it's just as important but it's also i mean it's also applicable to you know swinging a hammer or mm-hmm. you know uh climbing into climbing into a tree pruning a tree you know those kinds of things that stuff you don't realize how that application helps you not only in the gym but outside the gym yeah yeah and that was uh one big thing you know mm-hmm. um we just put in a new like walkway yeah. over at the house and we ended up pouring out a ton of gravel and using some landscaping timbers. And me and dad cut off some threaded bar to use as stakes. Yeah. You know, we cut them off 18 inches to have good stakes, drilled a hole through the landscaping timbers, and I just hammered them down into the ground, right? Mm-hmm. But, dude, we had, what, we had 18 landscaping timbers, three 18-inch spikes per. So, I mean, that's a ton of hammering, and you're hammering oh, yeah. 18 inches into the ground. Yeah. My grip was burnt so quick because oh, yeah. I, have, I haven't used a hammer in a long time. You yeah. know? <laughs> like, I build some stuff here and there, but it's always, like, little stuff. Oh, I'm yeah. not doing anything that mm-hmm. strenuous. A, I learned my left hand is useless with a hammer, by the way. <laughs> so, so it was all right-hand grip. But, yeah, man, just the just holding on to that hammer – for that many swings, you know, it probably mm-hmm. took five, six swings a piece to put those things in there. But just the real world application, I know if I hadn't been training, I'd have had to stop. Like, there's no way I could have drove all those in a single day. Oh yeah. I mean, it just my hand was on fire, and I've got good grip strength. Mm-hmm. But two, one big thing about grip strength is the more you build up your grip, the less elbow pain you get. Yeah. So a lot of people with tennis and golfers' elbows because they have weak forearms. Mm-hmm. So their bicep is actually trying to pull a little bit harder since their forearm can't make up the slack. So you have a lot of tension going across whenever the tendon starts getting lower, going across the elbow, and that's what leads to tennis elbow and golfer's elbow. It's odd that you bring that up because I've had some issues mm-hmm. in the past couple of weeks with my elbow. Yep. 
Yeah. So like, I just start working in some farmer carries and dead hangs. Dead hangs, one of the best exercises mm-hmm. for your grip, but also one of the best exercises for your shoulder health. Yeah. Decompressing the shoulder joint. Think of it as a uh, inversion table yeah. for the shoulders. I mean, it's very good for that. But again, farmer carries, building mm-hmm. up those grips, best tool for that's kettlebells. You're going to get a fatter handle than a dumbbell, and it's going to be a little bit higher up, so you don't have to deadlift all the way from the ground to pick it right. up to get those carries. And you can always like hit the bottom, do some RDLs, farm a carry back, hit some suitcase deadlifts. Like you can just incorporate it. Another great thing about the kettlebell is it is so dynamic that you can just create flows from one exercise right into the other. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so I'm a huge fan of that. And like you were talking about with the stabilizers, the big stabilizer muscle that people completely forget about in training is trunk stabilizers. So like your piriformis, your uh, psoas, your hip flexors, mm-hmm. your spinal erectors. If you have a weak lower back, you have a weak body, yeah. hands down. Yeah, doesn't matter. Same thing as grips. You know, I love how training ties into jujitsu. You know, it's all hips and grips. Yeah, <laughs> if you can hold on to something, you got explosive hip movement. You can make some stuff. Work. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. it's like riding anything. You know, hips, hips and grips, hips yep. and grips. I mean. <clears throat> Oh yeah, but yeah. So anytime you're doing like the single rack, uh, single rack, um, overhead press, the big thing that I talk to people about is not bracing with the opposite arm. So a lot of people will go for a single rack on the right side. Their left hand automatically goes to their hip. Oh yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. your body automatically wants to help itself. Yep. You know, especially if you're doing something strenuous. If you're going lightweight, your hand won't do that. But as soon as you hit a heavy weight, like your body wants to brace itself. So much like I told you in the training videos and stuff, keep that stability arm away from your body. Mm-hmm. Make your core work for itself. Always engage the core. Anytime anything's overhead, you should be squeezing your abs like somebody's about to hit you in the stomach. You really should. And that's what's going to help build up those deep abdominal muscles to help out with that trunk stability. And like with you, whether you decide to get back into horse riding or whatever crazy, I don't yeah, want to say no, hang on. I just, silly yeah. stuff. Well, I was about to say crazy livestock activities. Oh, yeah. But it can be taken yeah. many ways. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, whatever you want to do, you get thrown off of a horse. Dude, even a healthy, vibrant, young 20-year-old oh, yeah. can have a hip dislocated or their lumbar area jammed out of place. Oh, yeah. So the Man. more trunk stability you have, the less likely you are to have an injury whenever mm-hmm. that happens. I mean, you hit the dirt from seven feet up in the air at a wonky angle – there's no telling what could happen, but if yeah. your muscles are strong, then they can put everything right back, you know, right. or they can stop it from coming out in the first place. Yeah. So it's huge for injury prevention. I think that's, I think that's, you know, I mean, that's, that trained and plugged into me for quite a long time anyway, but you know, just as many times as I've ate crap, you know, um, I've been really lucky, you know, with, that was not having those kind of issues you know hit the, hit the deck numerous times and be able to just jump right back up and keep going at it yeah and I, you know a lot of that's due to that you know mm-hmm. well that's one thing too you know so i say you know a lot i just realized that but anyways i'm trying to perfect my you speaking know? technique but that's one thing that we talk about in jujitsu are break falls but a break fall is going off the premise that your feet go out in, like ahead of you or behind you or to the side of you, right? We got front, back, and side break falls. Right. None of that really applies when you have a 2,000 or 1,000-pound animal throwing you up in the air. Like if you're coming straight down on your forehead, there's no break fall for that. There's no landing technique. You just kind of 
throw up the melon and hope for the best, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Or let's say you get hit on the forward buck, right? So the hips come up, they toss you forward, but of course their head gets in the way and that catches your inner knee and that spins you into that little death spiral oh, yeah. to where all four limbs are kind of swinging wild for that half a second. Mm-hmm. And then you don't know how you're going to hit the ground, but you no. know you're not going to hit the ground in a safe manner. Yeah. And, you know, what happens after that? You try to get up and run from said animal before yeah. it stomps the hell out of you. Oh, yeah. Shoot. Yeah. Or... So it ain't about just landing. It's about landing and getting back to your feet and just kicking yeah. rocks. I mean, I like to think for a long time, and it, it goes back to racing bikes and everything, that I, you know, <clears throat> people gave me crap, but I, I I practiced, like, I practiced landing. I mean. How do you do that? Huh? How do you do that? You just practice. Like, you, you become you graceful. You off. <laughs> you come, be, become graceful in that, you know, if you're Superman and through the air, time to learn to tuck and roll properly. Tuck and roll, tuck and roll. That way it doesn't hurt as bad. <laughs> Uh, it's still gonna hurt man you just deal with it after you get over the gate i mean you know it's the it's the next morning when you wake up and you go oh you're that or that night you're like yeah i'm great i'm great and then the next morning you're like oh god i can't get out of bed i'm hurting mm-hmm. which you know that's a that's pretty much like a <clears throat> daily thing now but yeah well welcome to old age john that's right welcome that's to tiger old bombs age. for yep but yeah so you know you have a lot of different applications in kettlebell training as well Mm -hmm. the one application i don't like so with kettlebell training i basically break it up into three groups all right you got the majority of people who think a kettlebell is just a cool looking dumbbell like you were saying before they use the kettlebell for every dumbbell exercise you can think of they just swap it out like Mm -hmm. one to one ratio yeah like whatever exercises i do with a dumbbell i'm just gonna do with a kettlebell look trendy like oh look at this new thing yeah, it's completely different. I'm not saying you can't do that, but you're missing out on half of the kettlebell world. Right? Oh, yeah. And then you got the second, <clears throat> which these guys are really annoying to me just for a simple fact that they're kind of right and I don't like it, <laughs> or what I call the low-weight guys. So they'll do all the fancy kettlebell exercises you can think of, the mobility, basically like dancing with a kettlebell. You know, everything is flowy, everything is smooth, like yoga. And it's just the mobility aspect of the kettlebells. They don't touch the heavy bells because there's no point in those. You can do this exercise with a light weight and still get a good burn. Oh, yeah. Can't stand those people. And then you got the strength style, right, which are the guys who literally just get the heaviest kettlebell in the room and do what they can with it. Now, there's nothing wrong with that either. But you need to find middle ground between those two. The guys who only use the kettlebells for dumbbell exercises, they're just dumb. Just We just automatically write them off. Mm-hmm. We don't even give them crap in the kettlebell community. We just, cool, man. That's awesome. Great job. Such, Go over there. So judgmental. <laughs> but you got the mobility guys, and then you got the strength guys, right? Well, I guess you kind of got a fourth, which are the guys who enjoy both aspects of it. You know, I do a ton of mobility with kettlebells, but I also think that you can go heavier with a kettlebell than you think you can. A lot of times, especially with like the kettlebell swing and the Romanian deadlift, if you get too light of a bell, you can't learn the proper technique. You have to have a heavy enough bell to where it puts you in the right position. Yeah, I mean, if you're just constantly throwing it up with your shoulders and all that, maybe you're way too light. I have to get to about the gray band. Mm Mm-hmm. It's kind of like that's the one that really puts me in check as far as 
What exercise are we talking about here? Because we got it's kind of all swings. All swings. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so you're talking about the 36 kilo. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And that's the thing about it. You know, if I'm teaching a new client how to do a kettlebell swing, and I give them a kettlebell that they can do an anterior raise with, then they're not going to feel it. They're right. going to be using all shoulders. And there's a couple mm-hmm. different training cues I use on that. But the first thing I do is like, no, 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 let's get a heavier belt. So once you get a bell heavy enough to where they can't do an anterior raise with it, you know they have to shoot from the hip, and that's when they get that kind of slingshot, explosive mm-hmm. hip movement feel to it. And then you have to work on, you know, timing, foot placement, a couple other factors. Mm-hmm. But just getting into it, learning how to explode from the hip and not rip with your upper back and shoulders. Right. right. So if you go heavy enough, that problem kind of works itself out because oh, yeah. they physically can't lift it up. But two, even with the Turkish get up, I've seen so many people just like dart right up to their feet. I'm like, cool, let's go up a bell. That slows them down a little bit. Yeah. Okay, now they're thinking about position, right? Let's go up another bell. Okay, now shit just got serious. <laughs> like, this cannonball is about to crash my face in if I don't take my time and understand every position and how to get there, right? right? So that's what we always look for in that. And, you know, I'm a huge fan of teaching Turkish get up with a flat platform. So I like usually make people take their shoes off and they'll use one shoe on top of their knuckles to get used to having that shoulder line. <coughs> Good, excuse me. <clears throat> but I'll have them use one shoe to get used to that shoulder line and balance, and that way, like, it's pretty funny to see somebody get kicked in the face of the wrong shoe. Like, I just, I chuckle at that. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so we do that. But if you go heavy enough, that really, I don't know, it, like, adds some seriousness to the situation, you know? Like, you can't play around when you've got a weight that can, injure you oh yeah. you know what i mean i don't want them to go too heavy to where an injury is coming but i want to go heavy enough to where they respect That's what's in their borderline hands. injury coming exactly yeah. yeah let's just make it borderline you know yeah let's like teeter-totter on that risk borderline if you're dumb you're probably gonna get hurt <laughs> yeah but yeah so too you know um with the strongman application of it if you look up Louis Simmons and the Westside Barbell Crew, you know, I mean, they use kettlebells all the time. Yeah. They use them very differently than I do. A lot of theirs are still strength exercises. They don't do a lot of the mobility. He does a uh, cool little around the world with two medium weight bells mm-hmm. to where he just holds a medium weight bell like farmers hold. And then he'll just rotate his hips and shoulders back and forth and get the bells like picking themselves up to about low rib height. And that's what he does to warm up the lower back. And anybody that knows um, anything about Louie, you know, I mean, he had his back broken a couple of times, had like uh, some serious major surgeries on it. And then he came back and like he's like the heaviest lifter in his weight class Had a couple of different exercises. And he produces some of the strongest individuals on the planet. I mean, he's one of the top strength coaches out there for mainly power lifters, but a lot of different sports. So he's a very interesting dude. But he uses kettlebells on a fairly regular basis. You know, a lot of um, bodybuilders would use them just to get the extra range of motion out of, like, the incline flies. You know, I talked about that a little bit on a different podcast about how whenever you do an incline fly or a flat fly, use dumbbells on the first set and then grab a set of lighter kettlebells. So if you're using, like, let's say you're using 20s just to make it easy on dumbbell flies, drop down, grab a set of 12 or 16-pound kettlebells and try it the leverage alone of the weight hanging down behind you is going to be a lot stiffer. So you can actually go lighter, which I'm always a big fan of going lighter than you need to, but adding resistance to it through the muscle tension. That way your muscles are getting the same resistance, but your joints aren't. 
We don't want to put any type of resistance on the joints. We want them to be free flowing, but we want to tax out the muscles as much as we can. Right. So the best way to do that is put yourself in a disadvantageous position, safe, but disadvantageous, and go with a lighter weight. That way, you're not destroying your muscles. You're just hit, or you're not destroying the joints. You're just hitting the muscles. Yeah. So kettlebells are great for that too because you do get that a little extra leverage in certain exercises. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, <clears throat> of course it makes sense, John. Yeah, that workout just totally kicked in. I'm like, I'm breaking my eyes open. I'm like, oh, my God. No, you're good, man. But, no, and that's one thing about it is a lot of people fall into the first category. You know, they use the kettlebell the same way they use dumbbells, and it's just very short-sighted. You know, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, but you have so much more that you can put in there yeah. to offer everybody. Unless you're yeah. just a scrawny runner guy like me. Hmm. Yeah. In that case, heavy farmer carries – heavy swings weighted bulgarian split squats get those legs a little bit less scrawny and then run faster. he's not talking about my legs they're not scrawny hmm. <laughs> yeah <clears throat> so we cover everything we have the functional training side rehabilitation side uh yeah Basically, just working in the mobility on that. And keep in mind, too, trunk stability is great for rehabilitation. Anybody yeah. who has a bad lower back has bad hips. You know, I use it with a lot of people who have uh, hip replacements. Of course, I take my time. We learn the kettlebell swing very slowly, but it becomes a stable exercise whenever they start um, actually pushing it up into a heavier yeah. workout. Because, like I said, it's a very safe exercise. Anything goes wrong, just let go. Yeah. As long as the bell is swinging straight, you ain't going to hit your foot. Yeah, so, just back away from the mirrors. Yeah, yeah the wall. Oddly enough, the only fails that I've ever seen in here and in seminars that I teach with the kettlebell swing, they let go of the bell behind them. Oh. No clue why. I guess because the way your hand is gripped on it, it slips out of their fingers, but it's always in the behind them phase. Like whenever you go hands behind the hips, yeah. and then you shoot back up at the top position, they're always golden, but they'll get that one where they got mm. a little – explosive or more explosive than they'd planned to on the way up and then coming down it gets a little bit more force behind it yeah and then it thumps like a foot behind their butt no it's hilarious when it happens mm. but yeah, yeah it's just man. one of those like what the hell type things i don't want to say i hadn't had that happen because then it'll happen <clears> but <throat> i haven't had that happen i never have i usually fail on the up portion yeah. of a swing so like if i'm maxing out on kettlebell swings or like Say I'm doing the five-minute swing challenge. Whenever I swing, I can get the bucking part of it to where my hands are behind my hips, but it'll be like a little half swing, and my shoulders start pulling forward. I'm like, okay, okay, it's time to set this guy down. It's a five-minute swing challenge? Yeah. Never done that. It's a fun one, man. The hardest part about it is picking the correct weight because you get one that you're swinging for, you know, like 200 reps for five minutes, and then you need to cut her back a little bit. Yeah, make it challenging. Same thing with my Death of a Hero workout. You go too loud on Death of a Hero workout, you're going to be here all day long. You go too heavy, it's going to be a five-minute workout. <laughs> so, death of a Hero. Never done that either. Never done Death of a Hero? No. Oh, I guess I set you up with that. Yeah, you were here when I had Caroline run through it. I think she made it seven rounds, and she was about to have a heart attack. Had to What's that one? Death of a Hero? Yeah, what is it? So it's basically you start out with a bell that you can get for 20 swings, after you hit a set of 20, you hit hero pose for five deep breaths. Oh, so yeah. There's no I timer. No, yeah. 
And then you immediately, after that fifth exhale, you stand up and swing again. You keep going until you can't get 12 swings with that weight. But the big thing about it is you don't want to get, like, that 20 rep thing shouldn't be your max. You should be able to swing that weight for, like, 30, 35 reps. And you start out with 20. And then you get that five breath pause. And you want to take nice, long, slow, deep breaths, reoxygenate as much as possible, and then get right back to the explosive movement. Then you drop back, right back into it. You know, I think mm. Mark had a 62, and he ran it for 13 rounds. It's pretty impressive. I guess yeah. it's time I... <clears throat> you should try it, man. I guess it's time I do that. <laughs> you should try it. It's, it is hell. It really is. I mean, it's a very fast workout. Don't get me wrong, it's a very fast workout, but your heart rate stays elevated for an hour afterwards because it's just so taxing on your metabolic system, on your musculature system, everything. It's a rough one. Friday. Yeah, I've got lightheaded during Thursday that one before. Friday. Made good time. Mm-hmm. Yep, so we covered the strongman aspect. Uh, sports performance, as always, remember, if you're doing anything that is sports-specific, always work with a trainer. I could give you a couple of the – exercises that i use for various sports but it's always going to differ from sport to sport and it's always going to differ from position to position too yeah so i'm not going to go into all of that but know that your staples are always going to make you stronger and faster and better so your swing your turkish get up your overhead presses all of that stuff is always going to directly translate where it gets a little iffy is when you start getting into the mobility and like the intrinsic strength portion of the training Right. What are you looking for? No. Oh. <clears throat> yeah. Um, as far as Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, you know, I wrote an entire book dedicated to that. I've got many programs out there. So if that's something you're interested in, please let me know. Shoot me an email, text message, whatever. Yeah, it's called The Art of Xing Chi. <clears throat> Actually sounds like a very wise book. I thought you wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, other than that, anything else you'd like to add? Yeah, I mean, I didn't really add anything today. Hmm? Added a lot to it. Feel Personal like you... experience is huge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of that. Yes, you do. Personal experience. Yeah. <laughs> yep. But anyways, grab a kettlebell. Find somebody who has some good information. I've got a YouTube channel. There's many other people out there. I'm by no means saying that I am the authority on kettlebell training. I've just learned from some very good instructors through books, videos, seminars, all of that stuff. I mean, the kettlebell is literally one of my favorite training tools, my favorite training tool, but one of my favorite things on the planet to play with. It really is. There's just, there's endless possibilities. There really are. Get, get to know your kettlebells. Yep. So mm-hmm. much that you give them names. <laughs> Yeah, I haven't named any of mine. Yes. But, well, yeah, I did name the chimp Bob with yeah, a K. Same Bob. Yeah, I forgot about that. I don't like Bob because Bob doesn't have a match. Hmm. I didn't want to pay for two of them. I just wanted the chimp. Yeah, they're pretty really expensive felt, bells. I tried. To, I already had a couple sets of thirty fives. I tried to do the one. The I tried to do, press Bob in one and the other thirty five in the other, and it was way weird. Hmm. He's got to turn towards looking away from you. <clears throat> You got to yeah, work behind weird. Bob's back. Yeah. You got to sneak up on him. You yeah. let him sneak up on you, he's going to bite you. Yeah. That hurts. It does. Yeah. It was terrible. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but, I mean, that's a good point, too. Um, so, with all of my kettlebell training, I always tell people, if you want to start working regular with kettlebells and you want to, like, go for a solid program, you always need to start out with five bells. 
right? So we're going to start out with some medium weight bells that you can do overhead presses with. So mm-hmm. get a couple bells that you can do a rack press with for 16 to 20 reps, right? And then you want some uh, medium heavy bells for your presses and rows. So like your flat press, your bench press, your bent over rows, that type of stuff. And then you want one heavy bell. And when I say heavy, I mean like heavy bell for your swings Mm -hmm. and your Romanian deadlifts and your deadlifts. So once you start out with those five bells, so for example, when I first started training in kettlebell, the first five bells I bought were 26s, which are the 12 kilos. Mm -hmm. And then I got, yeah, so 26s, um, a 40, which is 20 kilos, 18 kilos, 18 kilos. It's 20 kilos at 44s and a 79 for the swings. And from there, you know, I bumped up. My staples now are 35s, 53s, so 16 kilograms. Um, oh, my God, what's a 53? Just had a complete blank. 24 kilos. Sure, we'll go with that. Yeah. 53 pounds. And then an 88. So that's my five-bell system right there. Yeah. And, you know, I've got other ones, of course, because I love kettlebells, and I do all kinds of different exercises with them. But oh, yeah. those are like that's the five bell system that I try to talk people into getting. Yep. All right. Anything else? A nap. A nap. I feel you on that one. I'm about to brew me up a cup of coffee. Mm. Mm. About to drive. Mm. All right, everybody. If you made it this far, I apologize. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mondays. Thank you very much. As always, please leave a review. Please tell five friends a piece. Or don't share on your social media. <laughs> Maybe give us a pass yeah. today on reviews. Like I said, we'll cover some other training tools as well. But anytime I start talking about training tools, I start preaching the gospel of the kettlebell. Yeah, next week, tune in and we'll give you some misinformation on COVID-19 and the Moderna virus. <laughs> yeah, Moderna virus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. And you can, you can cancel your Spotify. <laughs> yeah. And keep on rocking in the free world. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you very much. Bye. Later.